Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. Praise him, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. Praise him, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. And God saw that it was good. Read this next part with me. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, and they were created. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I was scared, scared, scared to death. And by scared to death, I mean like my beats per minute probably jumped immediately to like 150. And I wasn't the only one that was scared. She was really scared, too. Good morning, Hill City Church. My name is Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor here. It's an honor of my life to to, to do this. Listen to me. I'm telling you what we're going to do. We're going to get you guys carpets and beanbags, I promise you, next week. You got me? This is awesome. And that you guys are willing to do this, okay? Um, Listen, I'll talk to you about this in a minute, too. This is crazy. So... My family and I took a trip to Colorado this summer. Uh, we, had, we had a great time. At one point, we drove up to the, the town of Breckenridge, and we did a little bit of shopping, and we were going in and out of stores. And Jenny and I were walking, and we looked back, and we saw three of our kids. Now, that doesn't, that's not really a problem unless you know we have four kids. 
One was gone, not a big deal. We're like, okay, let's go back into the store we just came out of. Sis is probably in there just looking at some shirts, whatever. So we went back to the store where we were. We did not see Sis. So, okay, let's go to the store before that. And we went into that one, and, and she wasn't there. And then we step out on the sidewalk, and we're looking up and down the sidewalk, and she wasn't there. And now I'm freaking out. So... So I send the boys, hey, you head here. I'm going to go here. Jenny, you're going there. But, but sissy, you have to stay with mommy. I don't want to lose you. So now we're all over Breckenridge looking for sis. Now, sis is Clementine, in case you're wondering. But we are looking for her. And, man, I was scared to death. Jenny gets a, a phone call from, from a unique number. She answers it, and it happens to be Clementine calling her to let her know where she was. Now, I know there are parents. And anyone else lost a child? Okay, see, no one. You know, all the parents of the year in the room. <laughs> Aren't you awesome? <laughs> Let me tell you what I learned in that moment is that Clementine really wanted to be found. And I gotta be honest with you, sometimes her mom and I wonder if she wants to be found by us, okay? But it was, it was like, wow, she was scared and she wanted to know that her mom and dad were there for her. Now, why am I starting with that this morning? Because I want to let you know something about you and something about me is that we all desire to be found. We want to know, okay? We want to know that there is someone out there who wants us, who wants to be with us. And listen... We, we started Genesis last week. Genesis tells us that that person absolutely exists. And, and arguably the rest of the Bible tells us that. Genesis doesn't just say that that person exists. Genesis tells us that we belong to him. So I just want to tell you this this morning. There is absolutely a purpose for your life. And I will go further to say you are here at Hill City right now in this moment on purpose. And the person that you desire to be found by more than anything else is the one true and living God. And he is the sovereign creator of the universe. And I've got even better news. He is here right now. So God, I pray that you will invade hearts in this place and that people would pass from death to life. And those in this room, as uh, God, most people know you already, but will you just, just renew in the hearts that are already yours who you are this morning? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, so we are looking at the creation account of Genesis chapter 1, but I want to review because we started Genesis last week. So let's just talk a little bit about what we talked about last week. We know Genesis is written by Moses. Jesus told us so. This book of Genesis was written to all of Israel. They, they just came out of Egypt where they were in slavery. They were in captivity. It was a foreign land. There were many gods being worshipped there, and, and Israel had bought into it. So, so God delivered them. Here they are in the wilderness. And, and listen, Israel needed to know their origin story, specifically as it relates to the one true and living God. And God wanted them to know their origin story. Moses wanted them to know it. 
And as you read Genesis, you need to understand God is telling them their story. But while he's telling Israel their story, he's also telling us ours. And he goes all the way back to the beginning. And the most important thing that you needed to get last week was this. Your story is not even your story. Your story is God's story. So Genesis 1.1, we got through last week, there were three points that I wanted us to get, and that was the who was more important than the how. We will still live in that point this week. We learned that God created something from nothing. He's the only God that could ever do such a thing. In the beginning, God bara, that means to create something from nothing. And then we learn that this one true and living God is in charge of everything. He is sovereign. So before we dive back into some, to, to, to Genesis, there, there's a little bit of housekeeping that I want to do here this morning. So there are some views within Christianity uh, on how things began. Okay, I'm not going to unpack all these. I'm just going to throw some of them out there. You need to do the work for yourself. But I want you to know that, that there are just different views even in this room. So one view would be called evolutionary creationist. There, there are many people who love Jesus who believe in evolutionary uh, creation. And then there's old earth creationists. There are young earth creationists. There, there is a camp where people believe and, and we'll, we'll talk about intelligent design. Then there are people who read Genesis and, and, and you'll hear the term literary framework. Okay, now all those are fine and even maybe you might believe a combination of of one or two of those. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because there are some takes within Christian culture that I just want to warn you about, and not warn, maybe just shepherd you through. So one, one take is this. Well, none of it matters. Like, just love Jesus. Well, that's kind of lazy, and I don't want us to be lazy, okay? And I think most people that take that stance, they do it out of a good heart, but like, like, let's not do that. But then there's this culture, and this is maybe one that I grew up in more, more than any other, is like, man, if you don't believe blank about how the world began, like, are you even a Christian, dude? Like, wait, you, we better pray for you because you don't believe creation happened the way we said it happened. Well, that's just kind of unloving and mean. And then there's a camp that might say, man, well, if you believe blank about how the world began, have you ever even read a book? Like, that's not what smart people believe. And that's just arrogant. So why am I telling you all this? Hill City, listen, there are options. And, and listen, we're not even mad about them. And I don't want you to be mad about them. I want us to be loving. I want us to... To, to know that there are options, but I want you to do your work. Now, there is a view that I do want to bring up, and again, we're still doing some housekeeping, but there is a view that just is not and cannot be reconciled with the Bible or the God of the Bible. And the, this is a view that comes out of uh, what I would call Darwinism. Okay, and, and the specifically, there's a part of Darwinism that would say uh, a theory that all species of life are descended from a common, common ancestor and that humans came from ape-like creatures. This one cannot be reconciled. Now, I'm not going to look at anyone and be like, if you believe that, you can't be a Christian. That is not true. But what I will say, if you believe that, you can't be a Christian who, who is not in error. That is an error to believe that take. 
It, it go, it, you can't believe that, or if you would believe that, then you would have to believe that Genesis 1 is a lie. Now, another thing about this, and then, and then we'll get going on. So, so I, you can also look at the Bible, and you can see that the Bible supports um, a, an, an Adam as a historical figure. Adam was, was a literal historical figure. If you don't believe that, go look at the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3. Or if you want another spot, go read the second half of Romans chapter 5. Okay? Listen, but I'm asking you, you do your work. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. So if you would, as we dive into this, just take into consideration with me like the universe, and by the universe, like the entirety of the cosmos, like it's hard to even fathom. And then if you really looked at it and you looked at the earth in comparison to the cosmos, like it's but a speck in, in all of it. And it would seem that our little planet earth is, is like mathematically insignificant. But verse 1 and 2 of Genesis tells us that the story, the most important story that is, is the one from this planet. That God seems to tell the story and that this planet matters. Now in an article by Emily Thomas, Emily Thomas she's assistant professor uh, of philosophy at Durham University. These are some of the things that she throws out there uh, that scientists have found that the observable universe is 93 billion light years across. Now, the whole universe is 250 times as large as the observable universe. We also, we also know that the Milky Way galaxy contains anywhere from 100 to 400 billion stars, and the whole universe itself contains 300 sextillion stars in the observable universe. And as I was doing this, I learned that sextillion is a number. I don't even know how you fathom it. She goes on to say skeptics, that's philosophers of religion, and specifically atheist philosophers of religion. They are now arguing and have asked us, that means Christians... To consider the kind of universe we would consider the Christian God to create and then compare it to the universe we actually live in. And they argue that there is a mismatch. How big the universe is gives us, that's the atheist philosophers, reason to believe that the God of classical Christianity is not real because the universe is too big. Now, what you have to understand is that the philosophers come to the table with the presupposition that, that, that the Christian God, meaning the God we believe in, is actually human-centered. And if we are the center of the story, like if the point of this is all about us, then I would agree with the atheists and the philosophers, yes, the universe is way too big. But we know about the one true and living God that he is not human-centered. And this is really good news, what I'm getting ready to tell you. God is not human-centered. God is God-centered. And the heavens don't declare the glory of the people that go to church at Hill City. The psalmist tells us that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And listen, we can't even observe it all. It's so big. And we can't even fathom God because, oh my... So why am I telling you all of this? Because we're going to look at Genesis 1 and we're staying pretty high level on today. But you need to know this about Genesis 1. It is not 
a chapter about geology. It's a chapter about theology. Now, what do I mean by theology? We just sort of dropped that word. I know we have a lot of visitors, a lot of, a lot of new believers. When we say theology here, we're talking about the study of God and what he said. And then he, what it is that we believe about God and what he said. That is theology. And Genesis 1 is theology. It's not geology. Genesis 1 is also a song. We need to know this. It's, it's poetic and it's metered. So if you're out there like, no, I think it's not, it's not a song. Okay, but it's poetic and it's metered. Like a song. So, so call it a song. Say it's like a song. I read an article where a guy said, no, it's more like exalted prose narrative. Okay. <laughs> what is this exalted prose narrative saying? What is this song about? And the first point is this. This song is about God. Well, what about God? Let's sort of pick up where we did left off last week. The who is more important than the how. And I would say this. The who is actually more important than anything. And our God is the point of this song. What does this tell us? The one true and living God, that he exists in three persons. Now, this is called the doctrine of the Trinity. Our theology is that God is one God, three persons. He he lives in perfect community and loving relationship. They all live in that relationship together. And the Trinity, we see the triune God present at creation. In the beginning, God created. Most uh, most theology uh, uh, professors that I read say, man, that is, that is speaking of God the Father. But then you go on and read, it says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. There, there is God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And then beginning of verse 3, and God said, like literally said something out loud, let there be light. Well, we know that John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that Word put on flesh. So here at creation, when God said something, we see pre-incarnate Jesus Christ right here. So we have God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, all right here participating in creation. That's why when we say Jesus stand up, when we see Jesus in the, in the gospel stand up on a boat, and he, he tells the waves, peace be still, they recognized his voice. They had heard that before. When Jesus said, exist, I'm going to get your towels next week too. You can wipe the spit off, okay, with the bean bags. The one true and living God is a triune God, and he's in charge of everything. He created everything, but it's not just that he is supreme and that he's in charge of everything. We need to see that he is also intimate, and I think we can see that here in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. And listen, our God, the one true and living God, he's intimate. This is why we are not deists. Now, what do I mean when I say deist? 
deists believe that there is a God, but like he spun things in order and he backed away and he's distant and he's not intimate. But man, we can't even see that here. Uh, I mean, that is debunked in the second verse of Genesis. He is intimate. How do I know that? Because it says the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word hovering, when you see it other times in scripture, that is speaking to how a mother eagle hovers over her nest. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing over his creation. And what is the Spirit of God doing? It hovers, and it's just waiting for the Word of God to speak. And when the Word of God speaks, now the Spirit takes the Word of God and it acts, and it causes something new to form. And I know you're sitting still, and you're like not moving very much, but what you, what you got to understand is I just gave you the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. That is the gospel in Genesis right there. If you believe in Jesus right now, if you have been saved, if you passed from death to life, that's because the Spirit of God hovered at one point, and you heard the truth of God's word, and, and the Spirit then acted and invaded your heart and saved you, and salvation belongs to God. So what happened at creation is the same thing that happened in your heart if you're following Jesus. Every day or every Saturday I come in here and I, and I work on sermon stuff, but, but what I do more than anything is I walk in and out, and now I start walking up here a few times, but I walk in and out of the rows and I pray, and even since March, we got this building, I would pray, I would say, God, I pray that the Holy, your Holy Spirit would hover in this room tomorrow. And God, I pray that anything I say that would come out, that would be your word, the word of God would come out, and then that your spirit would take that word of God and that you would invade hearts in this place. And I pray that all the time. Oh, and he's faithful, isn't he? We just baptized five people. Praise God for that. Hey, just join me in praying for that, huh? God will honor that. The one true and living God exists in three persons. This song is about God. What else does it say about God? It says that the one true and living God, when he says something, it happens. The th I, I believe this is the theme of Genesis 1. I really do. Okay? Verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Light didn't have a choice. Are you with me? God said it. It was so. Verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst. Oh, and it was so. Verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together, and it was so. Verse 11, and God said, on down in verse 11, and it was so. Verse 14, and God said, on down in 15, and it was so. And I know we're getting redundant, but it's a song. This is something we're supposed to memorize. And part of the song we're supposed to memorize is this, and God said, and it was so. And like we can even put music to that. Verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures and according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things. And it was so. When the one true and living God says something, it is so. Well, God said some things. And what I would hope we could do in this moment right now is just all of us to be graciously reminded and that, that, that in this reminder, our hearts would overflow with joy at some of the things that God said. And we need to believe that, okay, if God says it, it is so. God said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. God said it. Come on.
I will never leave you or forsake you. God said it. Okay, here we go. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Why do 20-year-olds sit on concrete? They're hungry and thirsty for the right things. They want to be satisfied. Listen, are you satisfied? And if you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know what this satisfaction is. I want to tell you lovingly, you might be hungry for the wrong things. You might be thirsty for the wrong things. God said it. He said some other things. I'm not going to stop, man. Like, this is, this is too good of news. He sent Jesus, and in Jesus, God says in Romans chapter 15, 7, that you are accepted. In John 15, chapter 6, he says this, that you are chosen. God said that you were chosen. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, it actually says that you are free. This is possible in Jesus. God said it. In 1 John 1, 9, listen, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just forgive us. You are forgiven if you do that. God said it. Listen, some of you are carried some sin in here that you haven't confessed. Do you know that we prayed over you this morning, our staff and some of our elders, and that, that man, if there is sin in the room, God, would you, would you see to it that it's confessed? When the one true and living God says it, it is so, and that's really good news, and I'm going to get ahead of myself just a little bit. Man, he's going to say something in Genesis chapter 3, and I, oh, it almost brings me to tears every time. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. you got to come back. Keep coming. Bring your friends. It's going to be awesome. It's great news. This song is about God. He exists in three persons. When he says something, it happens. And when the one true and living God creates, he's a God who serves his creation. And he does that by forming and by filling. See, the creation account that we read in Christianity is nothing like the ancient Babylonian myths. Because our God is the only God that you can find that serves his creation. All the other fake gods... They don't do anything like it. Now the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The earth was tohu wabohu. Right? And as you look at that word, you see it means un uninhabitable wasteland. It means literally waste and void. What we see here is a circumstance of chaos. And what our God does and always does is he brings order out of chaos. The one true and living God, his purpose and his heart is never chaos. It's never disorder. So listen, whoever would try to bring disorder out of order is actually sinning. And we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks. I'd say it like this. Who would ever, if you, if you would be one that would try to blur the distinctions or deny the distinctions or the order that God made in creation, you are in error. Our God brings order out of 
chaos. And listen, as starting in Genesis, the rest of Scripture, as you read it, you're going to see that, that disorder has a theological connotation. What do I mean by that? Where you see disorder, you will see resistance to the sovereignty of God. God is in charge of when you try to resist that, you will see disorder. Where you see order, you see a testimony to the sovereignty of God. So let me ask, is there any disorder or chaos in your life? You might be going against the will of a sovereign God. That's worth exploring. The one true and living God, he creates, he steps down to serve his creation by ordering it. And he starts with light. Let there be light. And then he goes to an atmosphere. That's what, that's what it is when we talk about the expanse uh, there in verse 6. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. That is an atmosphere. He goes from an atmosphere then to land and water on day 3. But we, before we go further, you need to understand this. God was fine. He didn't need light. He didn't need an atmosphere. He didn't need land and water. He was fine. So what is he doing? You need to see this. This, this is for us. He's creating a space for his creatures to thrive and to flourish. And he does it first by forming. So days one, two, and three. Light and darkness. The expanse. Land, water, plants, and trees. He is Forming. So when you see day three, where we see the land and the water and the plants and the trees, this is where we see germination, cultivation. Like, like, don't miss that. Something is starting to take shape on day three. Something like a garden. We'll get to that next week. He forms it, but then he fills it. Look at day four. Day four. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. To separate the day from the night. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. So here we see the sun, we see the moon and the stars that he puts in the expanse. Listen, and for whatever, like God decided to do this. Time will be measured by these lights. That is his design. And, and listen, but, but I want us to stop, step back and see the theology and what God is doing here with the lights, the great lights being uh, made on day four, because I know what some of you are thinking. Why? Day one, he said, let there be light. What is this now? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's really important. God is letting us know something about himself here. And what he is saying is that these great lights that you see in the sky, they are well below me. I don't need them for light. And he's, letting, he, he, he's showing us in creation, listen, these are day four creations because they are not to be worshipped. I am to be worshipped. And all over, still today, but even especially in ancient Babylon, the sun was worshipped or a sun god. The moon was worshipped or a moon god. Jupiter was worshipped like stars were worshipped. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I am to be worshipped. These great lights are below me. And then day five, so, so he's filling now. He filled it with sun, moon, and stars. Day five, we have fish, we have birds, we have animals. Hello, Bass Pro Shop, my favorite place in the world. 
Listen, Johnny Morse has got a love day five. He's made a lot of money off of day five. Living creatures, schools of fish. And the Bible says this about them. Let, let the waters swarm with swarms. That word swarm, that is God's intent. Speaks to how fertile and full God created it to be. And we see God's glory in creation. He did it with the plants and he now does it with animals. There's a phrase we have to bring to, to our attention. And it says that they will, they will each according to its kind. They will bear fruit each according to its kind in verse 11. And then you see it again with the creatures. Bring forth creatures each according to their kind. This indicates to us that God has created species. He's created categories of animals. This is why I don't, I don't think I can go with Darwin, and we shouldn't go with Darwin, and that we all have a common ancestor. No, no, no. God, in his sovereignty, designed and designated species. God's glory is in the variety. So when you're out in nature and you see all the different varieties, may it, may it draw your heart to the glory of God. But then he gives a mandate for them to reproduce. We weren't the first ones he told to be fruitful and multiply. He command, The creator commanded his creatures to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then, he, and then the bridge of the song, that you see three bridges of the song, and God blessed them. We see that three times in this account. And God blessed them. He blesses the filling. Be fruitful and multiply. And he blessed them. His blessing is in the command to fill. God made this earth. And he intended for it to be filled. Now, why am I bringing that up? This is important. This is, this is a cultural moment. Because you're starting to hear a narrative out there. And you ought to be like, red flag, red flag, red flag. I follow Jesus, red flag. Here's why. You're hearing the narrative. Well, the earth is too full. There's too much of us. That's a lie from hell. No, it isn't. God's blessing is in the filling of the earth. That's a nasty thought, that the earth is getting too full. We should get rid of some of us. The one true and living God is God who serves his creation by forming and filling. But don't miss that it's a God that serves his creation because his son is going to come to the earth one day. And here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. When the Son of God came and said that he did not come to be served, but to serve, he wasn't giving us new information. It's what God has always done. He's a God that serves. Now listen, there's another way he serves us here, and I really want to talk to I really want to talk to the younger people here, and it's not that, man, I mean, I have people my age still mess this up too, but as you're coming into college, this is really important, okay? So God models something from us in creation, and what do I mean by that? Like, why the days? Why forming before the filling? 
Like, do we think that God on day one is like, let there be light, and there was light, and he was like, whew, uh, that's enough for today. I could, uh, uh, let's, that's too much to do anymore. No. And then he comes to day two, and he's like, here's the atmosphere, and he's like, oh, that wore me out. That's enough for today. I better save the more for tomorrow. Listen, no. Listen, God could have burped, and in a blink, all this existed. So why the days? Why the forming before the filling? Because here's what we do, and I believe he serves us in this way. Even in creation, he served us by giving us a model. We tend to fill without forming. What do I mean by that? You're getting bombarded. Hey, come do this at college. Come do this at college. Go to this party. Go to this thing. And what college students will do is they'll go, yes, 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 yes. And you just start filling your life up with stuff. And you don't learn how to say no. Okay? Listen, God gives us a model. He says, Look, you know what? I'm going to show you that boundaries are good. Now, listen, if you're out there, amen, tell those college kids, listen, parents, we got to look at our schedules. Like, yes, 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 on everything on the calendar. And, you know, and what, what happens is our calendars become chaos because we fill them and there's no form. There are no boundaries to say, no, I will do this with my family on this night. And nothing's going to touch this. Are you with me? Man, God loves us so much that he, and he serves us by, by giving us an example on how to, how to live our lives. This song is about God. And finally, the one true and living God is one who shows authority and he shows delight. There's another part of the song that we should memorize, and it's this. And God saw that it was good. 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 And God saw, behold, it was very good. Now, why am I bringing that to your attention? We need to see the authority of God just in those statements. Hill City Church, it is the one true and living God who decides what is good and what isn't. And not us. But don't miss this either. The one true and living God, our God, is a God that shows delight. And even in the statement, it is good. We see he's creating things and he's showing delight. Oh, look at the stars. It is good. Like it's not some stoic light. Good. That's not our God. Oh, look at all these animals. It is good. I delight. If he delights in the stars and he delights in the plants and he delights in a moose, what do you think? He thinks about you. He's a God that shows delight. The joy of the creator is in his creation. I want to end with this. There's a scientist. His name is Freeman Dyson. He has a pretty famous quote. He wasn't a believer. Here's what he said. As we look out into the universe and identify the many accidents of physics and astronomy that have worked together to our benefit, 
It almost seems as if the universe must in some sense have known we were coming. And I would say, no, Mr. Dyson, the universe doesn't know anything. But the creator of the universe knew we were coming. And he created and he was getting something ready and he was getting it ready for us. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I just want to go back to how we started. Listen, Hill City, we all want to know that there's someone who wants us. That someone who desires to be with us in this book tells us who that person is and that we belong to him. And listen, at your deepest wiring, you want him too. But our reality is because of sin, while we want him at our deepest wiring, we also run from him at the same time. And that's disorder. But what we're going to learn is that this God came in the form of his son and he died for our disorder. But his son was God. And you need to know this, his son right now in this moment is seated on his throne in charge of everything. And he's alive. He is a living God and he will be alive forever. And he actually said something else that I want to bring to our attention. And he who is seated on the throne said, and this is really Really good news. Behold, Hill City, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's what God said, and it will be. And he's worthy of our worship. And he's worthy of our lives. And God's salvation belongs to you. Work in this room and among us. Invade hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.